0: This Miami Hurricanes offensive line makeover has turned into a full-blown transformation. The U just landed one of the best centers in the country, from the 407 to the 305. Matt Lee, welcome to the U! You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to AllHurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts, and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So get a big transfer portal commitment last night, Sunday night, coming off of what was obviously an excellent official visit to Miami. Matt Lee former UCF standout center, becomes the second UCF transfer to Miami in this cycle. Devontae Brown, the cornerback, has been in for a few weeks, and now he is joined by one of the more productive centers in the entire country, Matt Lee. Welcome to the U. And Lee chooses Miami over Oklahoma. How about that? And that's despite the fact that his former UCF teammate, Dylan Gabriel, is with the Sooners, of course. So I I know a lot of Hurricanes fans, after knowing he visited Oklahoma before he visited Miami, there was a little bit of concern there. Oh, he's going to end up at OU. Um, Really, since Lee entered the portal, I can't remember how long ago that was, probably about a week, week and a half ago. Ever since Matt Lee entered the portal, I have felt very good about Miami's chances and Miami's pursuit of this player. The writing has been on the wall. And here's something I love. He's got two years of eligibility left. So this is not just a one-and-done type of thing, graduate transfer. Lee is actually going to be able to grow with this offensive line a bit. And I, I talked about this really going from what looked like a makeover at first to a full-on transformation. You could call this a facelift. Like This is like reconstructive surgery being done to the Miami Hurricanes offensive line. No excuses next year for this unit not to be great. And it it's going to start right in the heart of that offensive line with what Matt Lee is going to provide snapping every single football Lee, his grades off the charts graded out an elite 90.6 pass blocking 80.6 run blocking, which is really darn good. 83.7 overall offensive grade. Uh, Now he has not been credited with any sacks given up during his UCF career. Uh, And I know that some people will say, Dono, that's a lie. I watched the tape. That sack looked like that was his guy. He should have made that block. I'm going by the pro football focus metrics. According to the pro football focus metrics, Matt Lee has not given up a single sack as a UCF night. So now Miami has two offensive line transfers who have come in, who have combined... To give up zero sacks in their careers. J.V. On Cohen did it at Alabama, didn't give up any sacks, and now Matt Lee has not been credited with giving up any sacks. And he's a Miami Hurricane. And guys, again, you heard those grades. 90.6 pass blocking, which is absolutely elite. Anything over 70 is considered a good grade. 90.6, that's like uh if you're going like an academic. You know, parallel, that's like a Harvard grade, would be 90.6. You know, that, that that That's best of the best type of stuff there. Uh, and also an excellent run blocker. Uh, and I've been told that repeatedly by people who cover UCF, that this guy can really get downfield and run block really, really well. So, uh, you know, you look at Matt Lee's arrival now. I would personally project Lee to be Miami's starting center next year. Um Of course, that's what spring ball and fall camp are going to be for to actually figure that out. Can they really back that up on the field? Because, yeah, there have been times when I thought certain players would be starters at certain positions, and it didn't play out that way. I thought Caleb Johnson would take Corey Flagg's starting job last year at linebacker, and he didn't. So it's, you know, there's a reason why you have to go through that process and let the competition play out. Okay. But I am certainly projecting lee to be the starting center next year uh but he's gonna compete with jakai clark for that and i hope the competition brings out the best in both guys i hope it makes jakai clark better i hope it makes matt lee even better than what he's been so far in his career and you know i mentioned talking with uh with people who cover ucf about this a good friend of mine friend of this show Uh, who works with me at all hurricanes, but he also writes for the UCF fan nation site. And he's covered Matt Lee very closely. I'm talking about Brian Smith who I've had a lot of conversations with now about Matt Lee. Uh, And, you know, he referred to Lee as a stalwart says one of his biggest strengths is intelligence. Matt Lee, naturally strong at around 300 pounds, his best uh, trait, one of his best traits physically is going straight forward drive blocking, putting defenders on the turf. And again, you can't emphasize enough the intelligence with this player. He can set the line calls and do just about anything you need to do to make your quarterback comfortably. That's what Brian Smith said about Matt Lee. So the U gets a really, really good one here. Uh, And, you know, combining what Miami has done in high school recruiting, bringing in five very capable and some elite offensive linemen out of high school, and now bringing in two of the best transfer portal offensive linemen available. The transformation is really coming together. So uh, what do you guys think? Would be Miami's best possible starting five offensive line next year. I want to talk about that a little bit. And if you, if you don't like my ideas and you want to give me your own, or if you want to agree with me, you can always tweet the show at LockedonCains. And if you follow us at Locked On Canes, we will follow you back. And so got some tough decisions here to make. And yes, the good news for all of these offensive linemen is Cristobal and Miraball like to rotate. You're not going to have the same guys on the field for every snap. They like to rotate. But if I look through what Miami's bringing to the table in 2023, is this their best possible five offensive line at left tackle? If Zion Nelson is healthy, he may be your best option, at least to start the season based on his experience. Okay. I think a healthy Zion Nelson, probably your best option at left tackle to start the season. You can't really tell me on Cohen isn't the best option at left guard. I mean, it, if anything, the argument against Javion Cohen at left guard would be this guy's so versatile. He could play so many different positions that he might, for some of you, Javion Cohen out of Alabama, he might project as a starter at a different spot on the offensive line, but he's been really productive at left guard for the last two years at Bama. So I'm going to pencil in Javion Cohen as my starting left guard. I'm penciling in Matt Lee. Welcome to the U as my starting center. Uh, once you get to the right side, I think it gets trickier, you know, based on what he did last year, I'm penciling in big coop. And Cooper is my starting right guard. And then I probably, man, this is, this is so hard. I'm going to pencil in Francis Maui go a true freshman five-star as my starting right tackle. Uh, but here's the issue here. I don't have a spot on my starting line for Jalen, for Jalen rivers. Who's a beast. He could end up starting like any of those five positions, right? Including right tackle or, or right guard. Uh, so this is really, really tough. If I look at Zion Nelson, Javion Cohen, Matt Lee, Inez Cooper, Francis Maui Goa, it's hard to leave Jalen Rivers off that list. You know, we saw some good stuff last year from Lawrence Seymour. And Miami has other freshmen, uh, true freshmen coming in that I, I don't think are ready to start from day one. Oh, I I didn't mention the Pancake Concho, Samson Okunlola. I would probably, based on my best five, I would probably have Samson Okunlola as your backup left tackle. And then, you know, if, if Zion Nelson, as he has uh, an unfortunate history of, if he can't stay healthy, you could probably plug the Pancake Concho right into that left tackle spot. You never really want a true freshman starting you know, the left tackle spot of protecting the blind side of your quarterback. But Samson might be one of those exceptions to the rule, and he could potentially start at right tackle as well. Uh, You know, he seems stronger at left tackle, whereas – sorry, where Maui Goa – Maui Goa might be stronger at right tackle, but he can play both. Okun Lola probably stronger at left tackle, but he can play both. Maui Goa can play guard as well. So there are so many options, but, man, I I think that the five that I listed – That might be my best starting five offensive line. But when you have trouble deciding these things, that's a really good problem to have. So I want to kind of uh, sum up the Miami Hurricanes transfer portal strategy and success so far. And folks, yeah, we did have an update on Daryl Jackson. The saga has apparently come to an end. And it didn't come to the conclusion that Miami Hurricanes fans wanted. So we will put a bow on the Daryl Jackson saga, and we'll talk about Miami's transfer portal success or lack thereof when we come back here. Keep it locked. We have a lot more coming up on Locked on Canes. guys, if you're a small business owner, I hope you have been keeping it locked to LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people who have those skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insight from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Folks, I've used LinkedIn jobs before to find jobs. It's worked for me. If you're a small business owner, hiring manager, it's going to work for you as well. It's as simple as that. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So uh, the Hurricanes uh, transfer class so far, it's small. But guys, this is quality over quantity. We still need more quantity of quality because there are still more spots Miami needs to fill. Okay, but so far... Miami has brought in players that project for significant playing time, if not starting spots this year. Only five incoming transfers thus far. Last season, they had 11 incoming transfers. We're only at five so far. But I will remind you, this transfer portal window, the winter window, does not close until January 18th. And then there's another open transfer window for 15 days in May. I believe that's May 1st through the 15th, if I'm not mistaken. But I know it's a 15-day window in May. So that means you're probably going to have a couple few more players leave through the portal. And you'll probably have a couple few more players arrive through the portal. And hopefully, players to come in, we're looking at potentially defensive tackles, please, and outside wide receivers, pretty please. That's hopefully what we're looking at. But so far, guys... Miami has brought in quality. When you talk about five players who project for significant playing time and perhaps starting spots, JV Cohen, who we just talked about, he's going to be a starter next year. Book it. I would be shocked if Matt Lee is not the starting center next year. Let's see if he can take that job from Ja'Kai Clark. And, you know, Ja'Kai Clark is obviously one to watch because, you know, if uh, if he's not comfortable with his – position now that Lee has come in, you know, yeah, and I'm I'm completely speaking out of turn here. This is not based on any information. This is just me wondering. Me wondering, does jakai Clark maybe decide to test out the transfer portal? I don't know, but he does stick around. Matt Lee is going to try to come for his job. Okay. Uh, at linebacker, Francisco Maui Goa, he could very well start at linebacker. Let's see if he can take Corey Flagg's job. I think that's going to be the question because you would love to have West Saint and Francisco Maui Goa starting in that same linebacker group, okay? Now, uh, Thomas Gore at defensive tackle. I don't know if he's going to start. He might. But whether he starts or not, he's going to play significantly in a, a very thin defensive tackle rotation for Miami. And the last one, Devontae Brown. Another UCF transfer cornerback, older brother of Damari Brown. Devontae Brown is a likely day one starter at cornerback for Miami. So right there, three out of five, at least potentially five out of five of Miami's transfers so far uh, could be starters, but they all should be getting significant playing time. You know, last year, Miami brought in 11 transfers. Six of them were really non-factors on the team. So, you know, this year so far, Mario Cristobal, he's being more selective with transfers this year. Um, And I think there's a few reasons for that. Number one, there aren't as many open roster spots right now as there were this time last year. Uh, Mario also, he's got a better idea of what he has on his roster after a full year of evaluation. And he brought in a much bigger high school recruiting class this year than last year. Because last year, I think there were 15 High school players who came in were already at 25 and potentially 26 if Cormani McLean does sign. So, you know, much bigger freshman class, there are less roster spots for transfers. So folks, honestly, you know, I know some of you were like only, you know, yesterday you're like only four transfers today. You're like only five transfers, but they've brought in not quantity, but they have brought in quality so far has Miami. Uh, But let's talk more about defensive tackle. Now, First things first, for the Florida State fans who found this episode, if you've actually been patient enough to watch for like or listen for 15 minutes before getting to this part, uh, congratulations for making it this far. And I will give you the opportunity for the Florida State fans because you've been trolling me already on Twitter for covering this story yesterday. Go ahead, come at me, man. So Daryl Jackson, Daryl Jackson, he does decide to stick with Florida State after all. It was, uh, we were teasing potentially a Miami return for DJ. Miami was trying to get Jackson back before he officially enrolled at Florida State, but it does appear that Daryl Jackson has officially enrolled at Florida State. So he is now transferring from the University of Miami to the Florida State Seminoles. And yeah, I, I have been told now from numerous uh, from numerous different folks from news sites and sources that Daryl Jackson has enrolled at Florida state. So, you know, the idea uh, of him returning to Miami, he's basically been driving back and forth between Coral Gables and Tallahassee for like the last three days. It's like stops at one spot, goes back to the other, but he's going to be enrolling at Florida state. And it's a pity. I would have loved to have had Jackson back. He started all 12 games for Miami last year, 27 tackles, three sacks last year. And Miami remains thin at defensive tackle, right? You've got some uh, some reliable returning tackles like Leonard Taylor, who are obviously very happy is back, and Jared Harrison Hunt. They could end up being your starting tackles. But I'm not sleeping on Thomas Gore, the Georgia State transfer. He's going to help anchor that unit along with JHH and Leonard Taylor. You know, for depth, you've got – Jake Lichtenstein is back. Hmm. Ahmad Moten is back. And here's one I am excited about for the future. True freshman Joshua Horton is coming in through recruiting. Um, Horton, he looks like a future stud to me. But obviously, as a true freshman, it's going to take him a little time to develop, going to take him time to get his feet wet. So, yeah, Miami wants and needs a lot more depth and a lot more size because a lot of these guys we talked about – are in like the 270-280 range. Uh Lichtenstein and Gore are both 270. Moten I think is around 280-285. Horton is 285-290, but he's going to get bigger. He's a true freshman. Um you know, I think Harrison Hunt is under 300. Leonard Taylor is over 300. Um Actually, I think Moten is over 300. I, th- I think Harrison Hunt is sub 300. I think Moten and Taylor are both over 300. But I, I think Miami needs more quality depth and more size at the defensive tackle position. So uh, as far as what Miami is working on at this moment, they did just receive visits over the weekend from Arkansas transfer Isaiah Nichols, who was a starter last year at Arkansas. And Branson Dean from Purdue, who was a starter last year. Neither of them have committed to Miami at this time. Um, according to Matt Shodel of Kane Sport, he uh, is hearing a lot of positive feedback about Branson Dean from Purdue that uh, Miami is in a good position for him, that they may be able to land Dean. And listen, if I'm one of these defensive tackles, you know, I'm looking at Miami, I'm like, hey, at least I can play there. <laughs> Because there's going to be opportunities, serious opportunities to get on the field. And if Miami does end up landing Dean from Purdue, there are a handful of things that I really like about him. Here's something I love about Branson Dean. Nine and a half tackles for a loss last year. That's five more than Daryl Jackson had at Miami last season. And by the way, I don't mean this to drag Daryl. I really like Daryl Jackson. So don't think I'm being petty or anything. I'm just saying like Branson Dean had more TFL. Than Jackson had last year. Uh, Dean was an honorable mention. All big 10 defensive lineman started 11 out of 12 games last year for the Boilermakers had four sacks on the year. So a very productive player. Uh, He's a little light. He's 280 pounds, six foot two, but he is productive. Uh, And Branson Dean, if he does arrive, he's, he's a stopgap guy. He's a, a graduate transfer. So he does not have multiple years of eligibility left. He's got one year of eligibility left. So Uh, That is what we are looking at from the defensive tackle position. But Miami absolutely does need help there. And so, uh, yeah, uh, the Daryl Jackson conclusion to the story. And by the way, I do want to say one thing about the Daryl Jackson saga. All right. So he winds up sticking with Florida State, which is fine. Right. Because, you know, for the last month. I considered him to be a seminal anyway. When he left Miami in the transfer portal, he announced he was committing to Florida State. I didn't expect he was going to come back. Like that was a weird, that that thought didn't even pop into my head until a couple of days ago when there was all this reporting about Miami trying to get him back. And then he's back on campus in Coral Gables. So it looked like he may be coming back. He's not coming back. Um, Now when, when the Florida State fans and some of their reporters we're thinking on Sunday that it looked like he was actually coming back to Miami. I saw something pretty despicable and flat out untrue being reported, and the person who reported it cited some anonymous non-Florida state source. Basically, you can say anything someone tells you and just say, "Oh, I, this is from a source, so it's got to be legit," right? Something about Miami, uh, according to this report, that Miami was actually threatening to block. Daryl Jackson's hardship waiver because remember Jackson transferred to Florida state to be closer to his sick mother, which is allowing him to sign a hardship waiver where he can play immediately without having to sit out a year. Cause it's the second time he's transferred. And then there were reports coming out of Tallahassee that Miami was threatening to block his hardship waiver that they wouldn't sign off on it to keep him from playing, to try to entice him to stay at Miami. Absolute BS. Absolute utter BS. Miami has no control over that situation. Like, do you really think the school that someone's leaving from has to sign off on the hardship waiver when you're talking about the health of that person's mother and him needing to be closer to family? No control. Miami has no control over his hardship waiver. So, this idea that Miami needed to sign off on his waiver and were threatening not to do that, the way that Florida State fans were describing it, it was like a hostage situation like, oh my God, this guy just wants to play for Florida State. But, Miami, despite the fact that his mother is sick, they're refusing to sign the waiver. Absolute fantasy, right? And with all this said, Miami takes the L here right? Because Daryl Jackson is a seminal. He's not a Miami hurricane. Congratulations, Florida state. You got a good one. You got a really good player. And I'm sorry to see Daryl Jackson go, but this idea that Miami tried to strong arm him by refusing to sign the hardship waiver. I don't know who came up with this, but petty, petty nonsense and pure fantasy. We'll talk about potential coaching moves. Will they happen? Will they not happen? Are the Miami Hurricanes any chance they're going to be in the market for some new offensive assistance? We will get to that and more right here on Locked on Canes. I hope you're locked on to betonline.net. Folks, we have the title game this evening. TCU plus 12 and a half. Georgia are 12 and a half point favorites against TCU. I'm so torn here. I think TCU is going to keep this game close enough to cover. I don't think they'll win, but I think TCU is going to cover. Excuse me, I I lost my voice for a second. Uh, You can find all these numbers and all this information at BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football, to college bowl season, to basketball, World Cup. We've got it all at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. I'm on the site every day, guys. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Alex Dono with you guys here on Locked On Canes. So um, this is, I would consider this week today through the end of the week to be decisive on whether or not Miami is going to make significant coaching changes because there are a lot of factors that are coming open this week, guys. Firings are going to be made around the NFL this week. And I've always hypothesized that if Mario Cristobal does decide to make a coordinator change, Two coordinator changes, significant assistant coaching changes that he would want to have a full menu available of who's out there from the National Football League. If there are any NFL assistants who lose jobs or change jobs this week, uh, this picture is going to become a lot more clear for the next 24 hours and the next few days, which NFL assistants are going to be available potentially for college jobs that Mario Cristobal would like to have that menu available. So that's going to be a factor here, right? If there is a chance that Josh Gaddis is no longer the Hurricanes offensive coordinator for much longer, this week could be decisive for that. You also have the AFCA coaching convention going on. It started yesterday. I believe it ends tomorrow on the 10th. So if Mario Cristobal is going to make some moves on his staff, This is the week where you want to be mapping out those moves and hopefully start making some of those moves in the coming days. That's why I think this week is going to be decisive for that. And the reason why I bring this up is for the last month, numerous people have told me they have suspicions that coordinator changes can still be made. And they're saying that even now that we're almost in mid-January. Right. Because a lot of you have just thought, you know what? It's January. If something was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Not necessarily. I mean, I I don't think Josh Gaddis was even hired until February last year. So Mario's timetable may not match up with your timetable. Doesn't mean something's not going to happen here. So I've been told that by numerous people in recent weeks. And I I was also listening to uh, my guy, Manny Navarro from The Athletic. and, And he said something similar that he still thinks, a potential change could be made at offensive coordinator. I don't think anyone's saying it's a slam dunk that it's going to happen, but do not rule it out. And I want every Miami hurricanes fan and every viewer and listener of the show, just to be on high alert for the next few days, because if something does start happening, I think that that change is going to be brewing in the near future. And let me talk some people off a ledge. Okay. If a change doesn't happen, and you've got the same or essentially the same offensive coaching staff next year. You've just got to hope and pray that significantly improving your offensive line and significantly improving your depth at running back really creates a tangible change, right? Because X's and O's count for something. Jimmy's and Joe's count for a lot. All right. And even with an uncreative vanilla, uninspiring offense, you can still produce better results if you've got a studly offensive line and a significantly deeper, better running back rotation than you had last year. And, you know, more weapons at receiver. We haven't landed the outside guys that we all want, but I think Ray, Ray Joseph, especially, and Robbie Washington can make differences. And I think a healthy Jacoby George this year and a healthy Xavier Restrepo and Colby Young with more experience can make differences. So I, I even if there's not a coaching change made to lead that offense, even if Josh Gaddis is still the coordinator, and I know most of you don't want to hear that possibility. you still got to hope the offense can significantly improve, even if the philosophy doesn't improve or change heading into next year. So thank you for attending my TED Talk. All right. All right. We'll talk to you guys again next time, probably tomorrow, maybe today if something big happens. Uh, I want to thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen Now make Locked On College Basketball your second listen. Brand new show, and it's awesome. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you next time on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.